Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae is returning record amounts of money to Mississippians, whether it's through the College and Career Savings Program or the millions in unclaimed money awaiting your claim. Treasurer David McRae says get your application and claims today. Treasury.ms.gov. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi, and Mississippi for that matter, such a great place to live work and play. I was looking through the history of the of uh, f- the film industry in Mississippi and uh, I saw where there was a movie in 1966 the property is condemned. Um, it was uh, it was you know it was they used what they referred to as the sun-drenched Bay St. Louis location to to amplify the steamy romance romance between Robert Redford and Natalie Wood. I remember getting in the car with my parents here in Gulfport. Uh, I was nine years old, and we drove over to Bay St. Louis to see if we could see famous people. And uh, just an interesting, you know, interesting looking back. But it's the 50-year anniversary of, of the film industry in Mississippi. And I thought it would be great to, to uh, bring back my friend Nina Parikh, who is the director of the Mississippi Film Office, and just talk a little bit about that history. There's a lot to talk about, but we'll, during the conversation, we'll talk about that history. How you doing, Nina? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, it's it's been a whirlwind already this year. We celebrated our 50th on January 17th. Um, so, yeah, we, we have been trying to celebrate in communities across the state and make people aware that this that films have been made here for 50 plus years. They've actually been made in Mississippi for 100 years, but um, 50 since the film office was established. Well, look, you and I have had the opportunity to visit here on Coast View before. Uh, When we visited, actually, it was during the throes of the pandemic and how we talked a little bit about how Mississippi was finding some competitive advantage within the guise of the of the uh, situation related to the pandemic. And we'll come back to that in just a second. But before we go too far, you know, let's let's remind people a little bit where you came from. You've been in the film office for over 20 years. You've been the director for uh, uh, what was the year that you became director? I just 2017. yeah, 2017. I was going to say that actually. So, you studied uh, you studied filmmaking at New York University and also at the University of Southern Mississippi. You've oh, taught yeah. you've to the taught, top. Yeah, yeah, to the top for sure. Give a give a little bit of sense of uh, of your of your past that led to you becoming director there. Sure. Um, you know, when I was in high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. It's like, well, you know, I could. My parents are of course pushing me be a doctor, be an engineer. And I, I just wasn't feeling that. And my best friend at the time said, you know what? You love photography and you love stories. Have you ever thought about filmmaking? And I was at USM, so I was a general studies major at the time. And I thought, well, that's an interesting path that I could take. And I've not looked back back since. So I studied film at USM. And then I was at NYU for a bit too. And I was really fortunate that my classmates, um, we really bonded and all of us, almost all of us have have found success in the film industry. Um, You know, 25 years later now, we've been in the industry. And when I was at school at USM, our professor um, at the time would connect with the film office. 
So Ward Emling was the director at that time, and I served with him for 19 years. Um, he called the professor at USM and said, we need some interns on a short film that's based on a Eudora Welty um, story called A Worn Path. So myself and maybe, I don't know, eight or ten other USM students, film students, came up to Jackson and worked on this short film. And that short film led to everything else in my career and others. You know, I met Francisco Gonzalez from the Gulf Coast um, and started freelancing with him. So I was still in school, but all of us were starting to freelance in the film industry and build our resumes and our experience. Um, I freelanced for six years and then the job at the film office came up. And I thought, do I really want to apply for that job? Because I think I got into the film industry to be on set and not in an office. Um, but I thought, I can't, it doesn't hurt to apply. And we'll just see where it goes. When um, Ward asked if I'd like to accept the position, I thought, I'll, I'll try it out for three to five years. Again, I'll learn something different about the film industry. And here I am um, about to complete 25 years. So it's been quite the ride. And within that time period, I've been able to do some really interesting things as well. I did take a leave of absence and I produced a film called Ballast back in 2006. And it won two awards at the Sundance Film Festival. And I'm so proud of that because that was shot in Mississippi. The entire cast were Mississippians. Most of the crew were Mississippians. So it just really speaks to the talent that exists here in Mississippi that is just bubbling under the surface all the time. Hey, you mentioned Francisco Gonzalez. Um, he's been on the show several times with the, uh, uh, the uh, what, did, what do they call the museum? Yeah, yeah, aviation. I started to say airplanes. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. When I, when I planted that thought in my head, I couldn't get aviation, Mississippi yeah. Aviation Museum. But I remember, let me tell you a quick story. I was at the Sun-Herald, and I was involved in United Way campaign. It was like the mid to late 80s, maybe the early 90s, but I think it was, it was more the mid to late 80s. And we were we were going to this annual meeting, and they showed a a video, and it, the video was unlike anything we've ever seen before. It was re extraordinarily well produced, and it was slick, and it was kind of movie like, and it was, what in the world is who did this? Well, it turns out that uh, Francisco had gone to work for WLOX, and he did this as one of their community projects, and it was a, sort of the first time that most of us had seen that this work that Francisco did was unique and different and innovative. And I, 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 he was on my radar screen from that point on. But he's been involved in a lot of important stuff over many years, hasn't he? He really has. And I, I'm telling you, I, am, I just said this the other day. I am so grateful that I learned how to work in this industry from him and the folks on the Gulf Coast. Um, you know, he, he never had big budgets. But his work always looked like it had a big budget. And that's key in the film industry. You know, can't, how can you make the resources that you have work for this project? And he really taught us that, myself and Diego Velasco and so many others um, that, that were fortunate to work with him in those early years of our, just the beginning years of our careers. So you also founded, co-founded the Crossroads Film Festival and uh, the film, uh, Mississippi Film Alliance. Tell me about both of those. Yeah, so Crossroads came from, I mean, this again was the USM students that were here in the Jackson area. There wasn't a place for us to 
show our own films. There wasn't a place for us to see other independent films being made. Um, you know, I would drive to New Orleans to see movies, certain movies, and we just thought, well, maybe we should do a showcase of USM students' films. And then that grew to films by other people in Mississippi, and then thought, well, I think that maybe we could show independent films from all over the world. So it grew from just a like a showcase on a Tuesday to now we have a three to four day festival that was back in 2000 or so. And, you know, we were strong throughout and um, of course COVID is affecting, ha- affected all festivals and events and, and Crossroads is certainly among them. Um, but we created a community here. We created a community of film goers that we knew existed here, but also filmmakers. So, you know, you start to see people come out of the woodwork where they have stories they want to tell. Maybe they don't have the skill sets, but through the film festival, they they meet other filmmakers. They take workshops. So they learn a little bit about how could they make this happen. And it was really gratifying to see over the years film uh, storytellers who were not traditionally filmmakers um, watch their work evolve to their stories to be told on the screen. So that's a really cool thing through Crossroads that I saw and other festivals around the state. I mean, y'all had the Sun and Sand Film Festival on the Gulf Coast. There's the Oxford Film Festival. There's one in Grenada. There's one coming up in Starkville. The Magnolia Film Festival comes up um, this weekend. Um, So you see that kind of popping up all over the place. Uh, And the same with the Film Alliance. So the Film Alliance is exists to support indigenous filmmaking. So they give out a grant for $2,500, five of them per year uh, for emerging filmmakers in the state. So we've seen careers blossom from that. You know, it takes a little bit of money to get started. And while $2,500 isn't a lot, it does pay for meals for your crew and gas and some equipment rental. Um, So it's vital to to help these emerging um, storytellers get their foot in the door, make that first film, maybe get into a film festival, then get recognized by, uh, you know, awards. And then maybe that leads to the next and the next and the next. And I will say that over the 25 years that I've been involved through through this position, I've been able to see people that had no experience to now, and, and we didn't have any feature films being made by Mississippians at that time. We had some short films all the way to now we have half a dozen filmmakers in mississippi that are that have made multiple feature films and have distributed them and have more to come so it is you know it's slow to build but it happens and we see it all the time it's really amazing Um, another example just real quick is that we teach a workshop in canton called the canton uh, emerging filmmakers program i had a student there we did it for about 20 years, are still doing it. Um, when she was eight years old, she started. She went through until she was out of high school. Uh, a couple months ago, she just completed her first feature film. <laughs> wow, that, that's incredible. Yeah. You know, the average person doesn't really appreciate what it takes to do a feature film. The, the economic engine that, that derives around it. You get multiple ones of these happening simultaneously and things is really good for Mississippi. We'll talk more about that when we get on the other side. We'll see you after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. 
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. There's a terrific story that was published earlier this year in January about the Mississippi Film Office turning 50. And the headline is from dream, from a dream to a main attraction, the Mississippi Film Office at 50, uh, at 50. And of course, this year they're celebrating its 50th anniversary. We're going to actually get into some of the highlights of that, of that history here in just a second. But there's two points that I want to, I want to really zero in on that technology changes and the fact that streaming services and other, other things like that, which not just about the big screen anymore and not just about you know, uh, TV, of course, streaming is all about the TV, but the, the mechanisms have changed dramatically, which has really created some opportunities for Mississippi. And then again, on the technology side, man, you've got film students coming out of, of school today, Nina, really able to do some amazing work where the barrier to entry for doing great films is not what it used to be, is it? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, you know, right now you can pull out your phone and you can make a movie. <laughs> Both of us could could be making a movie right now, um, shooting the footage, get off you know off of this call, and then um, go into our computers and edit something and have it up on the internet on YouTube or Vimeo, you know, within the hour. So it's very powerful right now. Um, and you know, we're this our industry is not one that's going backwards where technology is going to take over for people. You actually have to have people to make the content. So we need content for the tiny screens that we carry in our pockets. And we need content for the theatrical big screens as well and our televisions. This is going to be something that's going to keep lots of people busy for decades and decades and decades to come. I mean, in eternity, really. I mean, what we're literally what we're literally watching Nina though is a content revolution. It literally is a content revolution. I remember in the early days of Netflix when they were mostly, you know, about renting videos and so on and they started talking about how content, the producing content was going to be sort of their future. At the time I don't think we could fully appreciate what they were talking about. And then and then others started talking about content and where and what did they mean? Of course, now that they've all launched streaming services and we see what is possible, um, I mean, what what makes the great content? I think about, for example, Paramount Plus, which is a which is a, a division of CBS, and the way that CBS masterfully put Paramount Plus up there, starting out with Paramount and then Paramount Plus. In the app form and the emergence of Yellowstone and writers, we now know writers behind these incredible stories and whatever. But, you know, really success is really ultimately now determined by just how much creativity can you bring to the table. It really is now in a position now where we're creating opportunities for people who before maybe we had no idea who they were can emerge pretty rapidly, actually, if they bring the right kind of innovation and creativity to the table. You see it every day, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you brought up Yellowstone. I mean, Yellowstone is a series and it has these offshoots now, you know, what, and it's going to continue. Um, the series work really has found a place uh, and maybe is taking the place of these big blockbusters. We still have the Marvel movies, but we are tending to watch series, um, whether it's, Yellowstone or its hometown on HGTV, which is on Laurel, um, it's endless. And and you have 
like you said, there's Amazon, there's Hulu, there's Paramount Plus, there's Tubi, which is a free platform for people. I mean, we have filmmakers in Mississippi. That's why they're, I mean, that's part of the reason why they can make these features because they have an audience out there and they can access it for the first time. Um, social media has done an incredible thing um, to access audiences. Um, there's a there's a filmmaker in Mississippi and producer in Mississippi that's I believe is going to launch their own platform um, where it'll be kind of social media plus streaming so that the two are combined all in one so that you're building your audience while you're making the movie. So they're ready, you know, they're like waiting, just like they're watching it being made and then they finally get to see it. So you capture them from the very beginning and get them involved. So, yeah, I mean, the, it's got to limit. I mean, like you said, we couldn't have imagined Netflix going from, you know, DVDs being delivered at our door to where we are now. <laughs> it's it's really dramatic. Um, this example that you gave a second ago about this uh, de developing his own platform or her own platform and then the creativity combined with the innovation. There's so many ways to, to do this. There's so many angles to it, things we don't even know about yet. And what ultimately separates whether people are going to watch it or not or discover it or not is how creative is it? I mean, is it, is it, is it, does it get into the hearts and minds of people? And if it does, it will take off like wildfire. That's just the way it works. I mean, and just because it's not on a Netflix or not on a Paramount Plus doesn't mean that there's a barrier here because in social media, things can spread like wildfire. People like it, you know? Right. I mean, just think about all the YouTube stars the, in the music world. Of course, you know, yes. Well. I mean, they, the YouTube stars that might be musicians or singers become huge stars, and then they are swept up by the film industry because they you know they have an audience, so they put them in their movies or their television shows. Um, it's all related. All of it's related. How often, because you've seen this evolution, you've seen where uh, the line, I would say, where you can say, was the lion's share of your work focused around uh, the big studios and, you know, the big screen kind of stuff, and, and then maybe some TV program as well. You've seen an evolution from that, and you can describe what that was to what it is today, which is kind of like the Wild West in a way. <laughs> That's true. It's kind of like the Wild West, like Yellowstone. <laughs> um, so when I started... Um, we were mostly looking at the big feature films, so you know the 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 ones that you're going to go see at the movie theater. And honestly, we were lucky to have one feature film come to Mississippi in a year. We were happy about that. We had other work. There were commercials happening at that time. You know, you had to. It, it took a lot of work to make a commercial, so people could make a living that way. Whereas now, of course, anybody, again, we can take out our phones out of our pockets and make a commercial if we wanted to. The quality is that good. Um, but back then, you know, the commercial world kind of kept the industry moving here in Mississippi for the small amount of crew that we had. And then, then came incentives. So it was really all about locations initially and stories. So stories that were meant to be told in Mississippi, you know, maybe it was about a miss, uh, it was written by a Mississippi author or it was about Mississippi or about the South. Those are the things that were kind of looking at us at that time, 25 years ago and earlier. Um, and then in 2004 or 2002, um, incentive programs started popping up around the world. So also, you know, the dollar went further in, um, in Canada at that time. Um, so we were looking, Productions were looking at going 
outside of the country to film because their dollar went further. Um, and thus, incentives came up in the United States because they wanted to bring that, that work back to the United States. So you'd see that happening in Louisiana and Michigan. Those were the two big players around 2002. And then we came in with a, a rebate, cash rebate program in 2004, really modest, small one. We thought we can't, we just can't come out the gate with giving everybody a bunch of money because we don't have, we don't have the infrastructure to, to support that. We don't have the crew base to support that. So we took a slow and steady wins the race kind of approach and it grew over the years and um, the rebate actually in the last two fiscal years we maxed it out our 20 million dollar allocation we maxed it out for the first time in the history of the program which of course you know as those were pandemic years so you know that really speaks to the power of one mississippi being open for business but two um, that the rebate program was strong and and we did build it slow and steady and we do have um, some of the resources to help support that. We need a lot more still. Um, and I don't have any kind of ideas that we're ever going to become Georgia. You know, Georgia is a totally different beast. Um, but there is a part that we can carve out for us. And, and we have been. And I'm looking forward to seeing where that might go, especially as, you know, as we talk about, you know, what what does it look like now? It's not it's not just about big feature films. It's, it's recurring content on all platforms and how how do we continue to build on that how do we continue to have something like hometown or last chance you which was a netflix series or bring it which was a series on lifetime that was here in jackson you know what if we had those all over the state imagine that you know hometown is in season seven that's a lot of people employed for multiple years for most of those years so yeah i love that 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 thing about not just more installments, but reoccurring years. I mean, the the a successful program can run for a long time. I mean, people can can put their kids through school, you know, being involved in a program like that. You know, you mentioned a minute ago when you first got the incentives, we didn't have the infrastructure yet. We didn't have some of the skill sets that were necessary. Then a good comparison to me is Matt McDonald from the Coast Coliseum and I have visited on show many, many times. And not long ago, I actually went over when the judge were in town and, and spent some time with Matt and his team to, to see what's going on behind the scenes around uh, something like the judge coming to town. Of course, this is the tribute year with Naomi's death, etc. And I went there, and when we get on the other side, I'll, I'll, I'll share with you an observation that I made about infrastructure and how infrastructure enables. And then you can talk to me about the, the, where you guys are as it relates to that these days. We'll see you after this break with, uh, with uh, the head of the Mississippi Film Office. We'll see you after this. for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Koshio. I'm so thrilled today to have the film office director, Nina Freak with me today. She's been on Koshio before, but we're covering a wide variety of subjects. And uh, well, she, she made a point before we went to break that in the early days of the incentive, um, you know, it, it didn't need to be a ton of money at the time because the infrastructure wasn't there yet. The skill sets weren't there. And we'll get some read on what that looks like here in a second. I mentioned the Coast Coliseum and my visit with Matt McDonald and his his team. One of the things he did, Nina, is he brought me over to the stage as the uh, as the team from, from the judge was, was putting all their pieces in place. And what he brought my attention to was what was happening overhead. They had, during the pandemic, the Coliseum invested a ton of money in this infrastructure that is over overhead. That um, what the purpose of it is, is to enable big shows to be able to come in and set up quickly and break it down quickly. And, the, and they used all this stuff that's overhead, all these cables and wires and all of that to put all their stuff into place. And frankly, if you don't have that infrastructure up above, you don't get some of the best shows. And so they invested heavily in that. And it showed me how it was working and how when the Judd team came in, they knew exactly what to do with it because this is the thing that enables them to do this massive show, put it up and break it back down really quickly and load those, I don't know how many trucks was outside. But the infrastructure for the movie industry is much the same way, actually. It, it enables you to do things. It enables you to, to, to get these big studios to come here. And you see, you've seen a growth in not only infrastructure, but also skill sets necessary to support a film. But let's give people a sense of this, this really massive mechanism that has to be available. And frankly, during the pandemic, it really we were in a good position because we were open for business. And we were able to kill two birds with one stone. So talk to me about that. Yeah, so you're right. I mean, there's a lot of overlap with what happens in live live events and live entertainment and our industry, recorded entertainment. A um, lot, lot of those skill sets transfer. So, you know, oftentimes there are, there are productions who will dip into, you know, like the people that are working at the Coliseum to come work movies as well because it is a similar skill set. Um, but we are training people all over the state too. Now, when I was in school at USM, that was the only film program that existed in the state. Now we have these entertainment and media programs in 11 different schools around the state. So obviously there's an interest and there's a need if all of these schools have decided to have some sort of program to support that. Um, but the, you know, outside of a trained workforce, we do need to have the buildings to support that, the equipment to support that over time. So it wasn't essential initially because productions know, well, we're gonna, we have to bring some people in. Um, so that's okay. And our incentive supports that as well, because we know that, you know, you're not gonna make your movie, your big movie and be on the big screen without, you know, uh, Viola Davis or Octavia Spencer or Tom Cruise. We don't, <laughs> we have some of that. We do have Morgan Freeman here. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but we weren't naive to think that we could exclude um, the payroll of those people that are from elsewhere. I mean, the benefit really there is it's an indirect training for our crew here that don't have the skill set. So, you know, maybe you bring in the director of photography, the heads of these departments, and they're coming in with their first person, um, you know, just below them. And then they're hiring Mississippians, and then those Mississippians are being trained by the indirectly 
he's just on the job training because they've been hired by these bigger productions. Uh, a lot of that equipment will sometimes come from other places because we don't have all of that equipment available here right now, but we have some of the equipment. And then as those companies see what they're having to sublease from elsewhere to support the productions that are here, then they start going, oh, you know what? I think I, I've had this thing asked for a dozen times now. Perhaps I should invest in that piece of equipment rather than subleasing it from somewhere else. So you see the companies kind of then understanding what the needs are so that they can purchase things. And then we also have people that, I mean, I, I will say that I've probably talked to half a dozen people in the last two years that have an interest in establishing some sort of studio, whether it's a post-production studio or a studio for filming, like a, a soundstage. Um, so it's brewing, it's brewing. And it has happened to some extent. Um, we did have a film studio in Canton um, some years ago, but then our incentive program um, wasn't strong for a couple of years, but we're, we, we've been, we're strong since that time. So that studio um, was sold to another industry, but we've had one over the last couple of years pop up in Natchez, the Crooked Letter Picture Company. So Tate Taylor, and this is another great, you know, growth story. Tate Taylor is grew up in Jackson, Mississippi. He happened to be friends with Catherine Stockett. Um, but prior to that, he did have an interest in film. He, he thought, I think he thought he wanted to be an actor. And he worked on A Time to Kill when it was in the Jackson metro area in Canton in the casting department. And he met Octavia Spencer on that project because Octavia was also working in the casting department. So they became very good friends and then they moved out to Hollywood and were working on their acting career. But like I said, he's friends with Catherine Stockett. Catherine Stockett wrote The Help. So Catherine and Tate decided that this needed to be made into a movie and she wanted Tate to make it. So lo and behold, he makes The Help here. And we know that trajectory, you know, the, the Oscar nominations and wins, etc. And so then Tate decides he wants to have a home in Mississippi again. So then he moves back to Mississippi, restores a historic property um, near Natchez, and then he can he starts to acquire properties there because he wants to bring the film industry to Mississippi. Not just he doesn't want to just live here and work on his movies, but he wants other people to live here and make movies and and come here you know temporarily to make movies so he's been building the infrastructure there and like i said crooked letter picture company is his studio um and they plan on expanding on that so you know it just it's like one little drop of uh experience in our industry and you start to learn the things that are necessary and if you if you want to play in in this sandbox, it's pretty easy entry um, to to do so. Well, this this history that I re referred to a few minutes ago, it's uh, it's a great telling of the history of the film industry in Mississippi. And uh, what it talked about was in uh, 2022 how many films were done and how that compared to the the years, you know, how many films had been done up to that point, but. Mississippi's doing really well in this area. If you just think about what's what you know about today that, that's that's under production as we speak, or that soon will be under production, what's the state of affairs as you see it these days? Well, we of course, Hometown again, they're in season seven, so they're filming that. We have a faith-based movie that's in the Canton area right now, which stars John Schneider from the Duke's Pazard. 
that we all know. Um, we have some projects coming to the Gulf Coast. I can't announce quite yet, but you know, there have been a um, a number of films down there in the last five to seven years that have been kind of like in the action category. So you can expect maybe something in that category in that genre coming down pretty soon. Um, we're reading scripts left and right. So projects come in, we read the scripts, we look at them for lo what locations make, you know, where can we find those locations around the state that make the most sense for production. Um, and so anyway, those scripts are coming in. We, it, it doesn't stop. I mean, every week there's a new project. This morning I got an application, you know, so we'll look at that to see um, what that project is, where they are best suited around the state. They might already have an idea of that, um, but we'll walk through that process with these producers and, and see where we can find the right place for them and the right people and crew. So. One of those action films you and I talked about the last time we were on was uh, starred Bruce Willis. It's really so sad to watch what he's had to uh, deal with from a health perspective. Um, man, he this this man meant a lot to the movie industry, didn't he? He did. He really did. I mean, I think everybody's heartbroken for him and his family. Um, you know, he obviously he loved. He seemed to love it. I mean, I don't know him personally, but he seemed to love what he did. Um, and the people that worked around him felt that as well. So yeah, it was really heartbreaking to see that. He, he did do a, a project on the Gulf Coast and then he did one here in the Jackson area called A Day to Die, which was, I think, his second to last movie. Too. Mm -hmm. You know, you and I chatted a little bit and how open the show up was talking about getting in the in the uh, station wagon in Gulfport and heading over to Bay St. Louis to see if we can see famous people in 1966. Um Yes, there is such a rich history when you when you start kind of delving into it. It's impossible to tell it in a show like this because there's been so many different movies and each one has its own story. Uh, it's just incredible, really. When you look back on it, what stands out? What are some of the things that just stand out to you? Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou stands out to me for sure. <laughs> in my time period of being in this office, I had been in the office for about a year at that point, and it was my first scout to do on my own. Um, and I got to go, and that movie was in 10 different counties, and the way that it touched so many people's lives is incredible. And, you know, we can talk about that. Uh -oh. Yeah, let's do. Let's actually do that in the final segment. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk about Nina's sort of perspective on "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?" and what it meant to Mississippi. We'll see you after this. Also, listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. You know, I always have the same thought when I visit with someone like Nina uh, Parikh, who's head director of the Mississippi Film Office, and that is. She's been on before, but um, we should probably have her on every three or four months just to find out the latest because she's literally a database of the movie industry in Mississippi, and it's always interesting to, to chat with her. And there's always some some areas we don't get a chance to talk about. But 
You know, I told you to look back in your history, and one that you were involved with is the movie Oh Brother, Where Where Alt Art Thou? It's hard to say that, actually. Um, I actually and, was convinced at the time when they were making that movie. I thought, there's no, ba- no way they're sticking with this title. No way. <laughs> they did. <laughs> but you said, uh, you know, you were involved in that in a big way, f- filmed in 10 counties in Mississippi. Tell, tell that story and how it touched the state. Yeah. So I'm just very quickly the way that it came to us. Um, I got a phone call and it was a producer that said they were filming. They were scouting in our surrounding uh, surrounding southern states and they said we don't have mississippi on our list but we thought well we're in the south so we might as well come look at mississippi are you available i said sure we're available um ward emling was sick at the time he never got sick in his 30 years at the film office he never got sick but he happened to get sick at this particular time and so we were just on the phone i said okay well this is this is what they asked for and we'll just let's plot it out um i had six hours with them to see a crazy number of things. Just the diversity of locations was incredible. But between Ward and I talking through it and um, me taking them out, it worked apparently. They they called, I think the next week and said, uh, we'd like to make our movie there. And you know, that's how quickly a project can happen. So that's a really- Wow. wow. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes there can be a project that we sit with for 20 or so years. So, for example, Women of the Movement, which was an ABC series about Mamie Till and Emmett Till, uh, there were dozens of projects that had to do with the tragedy of Emmett Till. And it literally took my entire career here at the film office for one to be made. But then on the flip side, Oh Brother can call one day and say, Oh, we're just going to stop by. And then suddenly there's this, you know, $40 million movie uh, in Mississippi. Um, but, you know, that movie touched so many places, so many counties. Um, it touched so many people. I mean, I think about how many times do I hear from someone that says, similar to your story, like, I, my family and I went out and they were having a casting call for families and for kids to be on the square in Canton or wherever it happened to be. And so me and my kids have this memory of all dressing in period period clothing and being on the square and you know being in this particular scene i hear it all the time all the time and um and sometimes it's more than that you know maybe they're not just an extra maybe they are the kids that um in the help for example i I saw somebody recently and they said oh yeah my neighbor's girls played the little the the um, toddlers in the help they were twins so you have to have twins when you're working with kids so that because they can't work for beyond like six hours or so um and so i just hear it all the time how the movie how the movie industry has touched people's lives it's not just about camera people you know it's not just about you know grip electrics what's a grip electric you know it's like um (laughs) it is about um also you know like people rent houses they have to live there for multiple months at a time so people get to know actors actresses you know, just just by way of renting their home, um, you'll have the art department that needs to build sets. So they're going to get to know those mom and pop hardware stores, and you start seeing you know lifelong friends. I know that like the construction coordinator for a Time to Kill has lifelong friends in Mississippi. Um, sometimes I'll get calls from people and say, "We saw Matthew McConaughey, um, you know, eating lunch at a certain restaurant. Is there a movie being filmed?" I said. Mm, 
Matthew McConaughey is, in, is not in any of the movies currently, but he does have lifetime friends in Mississippi. So he's probably here seeing his friends. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's just something magnetic. There's something magnetic about being part of the process or just watching the process of the silver screen effect. It's just, a, mm-hmm. it's just a way that my son actually works for Pricewaterhouse in New York and he's, he does some modeling and he's been an extra here and there. He was on, it was an extra on the marvelous Mrs. Maisel oh, on my. HBO and he, he fan of the show to begin with, but, but you know, he was an extra and just being involved in the process, just to, he loved it. He loved just being part of it. And, you know, those kind of productions are big deals. I mean, they there, there's a lot go, going on there, a lot of planning it, you know, they know everything. And so that is also a period type deal. So the, the clothing and how they go about that is also regimented and very, they understand every aspect of it. But that's just the way it is. People enjoy being part of that, don't they? They do. They really do. Um, you know, and the people in Mississippi like being a part of it. But I always think about the people that are visiting from other places. And more often than not, they leave Mississippi with a totally different view of of what they thought maybe Mississippi was going to be. Um, and then they spread that. I love it. They know out outside in the world. You know, well, we're out of town, <laughs> Nina. But here's the thing, yes, we talk about this all the time. That as Mississippians, we have a responsibility when we leave here to be ambassadors for this image that we see of Mississippi, not the one that they they think Imagine, is yeah. Mississippi. And while we always have work to do, we've come a long way. And you know, when you get an opportunity to deal with the people you're talking to and you're dealing with, and they come in and experience for themselves, it, it's something about the heart and soul of Mississippians that attract people to want to come back here. There's no doubt about it. Nina Parikh, it's been a uh, pleasure to spend some time with you. I can't wait to visit again. Thank you so much, and thank you for helping us celebrate our 50th. You bet. Congratulations on your tenure. It's been terrific. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Follow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.